five coaching conversations. Yes, five coaching yeah. conversations. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's your What's your background? Yeah. So I have been in organization talent development for 20 years now. Uh, I am a leadership consultant and certified coach. And uh, yeah, so I, I work with leaders and teams and, and organizations to, on the people issues, really. How did that start? People issues. Like, like when you um, first got out of, out of school and you decided on your career path, I, I, I suspect you weren't like immediately a leader consultant. So so where did you start to kind of get into that that role? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I have a master's degree in instructional design, and I guess you could say it started there. I had this passion around designing uh, training programs, helping people learn different things. I like to help others maximize their strengths and skill sets. And one way to do that is to train people. Um, and so I got this degree in instructional design, started uh, creating online courses and person courses, working with various organizations. I worked for the government for a while to create Army, uh, Navy, A and C school uh, programming. Um, and then from there kind of transitions to, well, there's a lot within these organizations uh, that they need help developing their people leaders, developing their employees. Um, so let's kind of turn this direction inwards and help the people that are around me in my inner circle first. Um, so then it just transitioned from there from being a course developer to a leadership coach, a leadership facilitator, and just kind of springboarded from there into the world of consulting where now I get to work with organizations globally on just that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And so then when you think about the issues with coaching, surrounding coaching with that that optometry practices, so you and I have encountered each other mainly from vision source, but I know that you're not just limited to optometry practices and limited to vision source. But when you think about your exposure to the optometric practice, how do these coaching conversations, well, first, what are those coaching conversations and how do they apply directly to what we do every day in our practices? Hello and welcome to the Chris Will Podcast on iCode Media. Today, I had a great conversation with Morgan Massey about five conversations that we want to have with our team in order to uh, develop the relationships that we have and build upon those relationships, build trust so we have a more effective practice. So please enjoy our conversations. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. I want to talk about the My Day Multifocal for a second. It's just coming out, and we had the opportunity to do a preclinical trial with this lens this last summer. And there were a couple of things that I thought were really helpful. The first one is that it is different than a lot of the multifocals that we've used before in our practices where patients, especially early emerging presbyopes, really managed the, it didn't cause a lot of additional uh, distance blur for them. And the other thing that was really helpful was, because we've never been involved in a clinical trial before, was to understand uh, the sort of questions that we might ask our patients. And we ask a pa our patients a lot of questions about their patient about their satisfaction with a contact lens, but what we weren't doing was actually having them score that themselves. So one of the parts of this that was really interesting to me was asking patients on a scale of one to 10, how they would score their vision, how they would score their comfort in their current lenses, and then how they would do the same on their uh, new lenses. And it showed me a lot of times where patients would say they were happy, might rate their vision as a six or a seven. And, um, and then it also reframed their thinking about their current satisfaction in their lenses and allowed me to open up the door 
to offering other solutions. So if you haven't tried something like that in your clinical practice, I would encourage you to. And I would also encourage you to try the MyDay Multifocal for your patients. So, so I guess for, I'll ask this one, one step at a time. What are, the, what are the kind of coaching conversations that we need to be thinking about? Yeah. Uh, well, I think in general, regardless of what industry you're in, some of these conversations are, the, are are very similar across the board. So there's a need for people managers at all levels to set the right expectations up front, to make sure you're delivering timely feedback, to make sure that when you're delegating, because we have to delegate day in and day out, that you're doing so with intention and assigning tasks to those that have skill but also interest and passion to the extent possible um, for those tasks that you're delegating. And you're going to get the most bang for your buck, as they say, for your delegation. Um, and also that you're having these continued career development conversations. Um, you and I spoke a couple days ago about uh, kind of optometry practice and how you you know, uh, doctors and ODs have a lot of focus um, splitting their, their day between working in the practice and on the practice, right? And there's a balance there and a striking the balance there. Um, well, the way that you can work more uh, on your practice is to make sure that the folks that are in your practice are performing well consistently. Um, and that all boils down to the quality of the conversations that you're having with them on a daily basis. You know? Now, um, I want to take a step back because you did li list those five conversations to have, but in your mind, is there like a time to have all those conversations? Like, does it have to be daily or weekly or in, in your experience with, with independent practices? Is it daily? Is it weekly? Uh, what are the, is it, does it need to be formal? You know, cause again, I'm trying to kind of solidify for those of us that don't do this well, or maybe do it well, but don't, aren't aware that we do it well. Cause I know that there's listeners of both types. Um, how much structure has to be involved in that? And, and when do we take those opportunities to have the conversations with people? Yeah, I think any moment that you have the opportunity to connect with your staff, uh, the, the, the better. That those are trust-building opportunities, ways that you can build trust and rapport and connection and relationship. Um, and that's the, really the foundation of how well your leadership and coaching is going to be received overall. So my guidance would be, you know, how often are you connecting with your staff at all levels within your practice, right? Are you taking the time you need to just check in with them? How is your weekend going? How is everything going with your workload and whatnot? Because um, the more that you can have those more informal conversations, then when you have to tackle some of the more challenging coaching conversations, you have that baseline rapport and, and trust already established, right? So you asked about how frequently should we be having these coaching type conversations. Um, really, it's out, our, our thought is that coaching is outcomes based. So you don't walk into your office and say, I'm going to have five different conversations around setting expectations today and just do that because that's not going to resonate with everyone. Um, but the more that you're checking in organically with your staff members, you can get a sense of, are they doing the job well? Do they need some corrective action? Um, do they have some aspirations for where they want to go in the future, right? So you can um, take an outcomes-based approach on how frequently you need to have those conversations with them anyway. Do you think that there's something that um, that like leaders do that will make it harder to have a connection? Like, is there this thing that a lot of people will do that just puts a barrier between having an organic conversation with people that um, is hard to build trust around? 
You know, when I think about it, you know, I, I think one of the natural things that is challenging for me is my, um, if I'm in clinic, right, if I'm seeing patients and I'm in my clinic mode as opposed to my, I'm working in my business instead of on my business, on those days that I am in my business, working in my business, yeah. um, I find that it's, you know, I do dedicate time in the morning. So we, we do a huddle every morning with everybody and then we have a longer meeting once a week. Um, but then if it's in the middle of my day and I'm like in clinic mode, if I have one of my team members that comes in and wants to talk about something and it's, it might not be a, a big issue or it might be an issue where um, they want to just mention something that's going on, I, I, I have to consciously, because it's not my attitude of like uh, stopping, turning around in my chair, you know, like giving them the attention, even though it's like totally disrupting my thought process and my mindset. But my, my natural instinct is, and this is what I'm asking you if there, I don't know what the answer is, but one of mine is, is that my natural instinct is to listen and try to keep, you know, try to keep doing what I'm doing. And I, I need to, at those times, I realize I got to stop and pull back and, and actually listen to what they're saying. Is that common? Yeah, that does take, it, it, it is common. I mean, that does take time. And some of the advice that we give leaders, you know, regardless of whether they're leading a private practice or in different industries and whatnot, um, is that awareness. So you're, you're aware that you're being taken out of your, your, whatever you're working on. It's taking your attention away so you can have this effective conversation with this person that's disrupting your day, right? Um, so number one, kind of having that awareness that this is happening. Number two, kind of create some boundaries with that individual. Say, you know, I, I really want to address your 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 question, your challenge, or dig into this with you right now. Um, uh, I have five minutes, so can you bottom line that for me is one way that, that you can have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Or say, you know what, it looks like that this conversation is going to necessitate some more time. Right now, I'm really in clinic right now, and I, I have uh, only a couple minutes to spare. This needs more time than that, so can you come back to me? Um, at the end of the day and just give them that timeline where they can revisit that, where you both have the headspace to address it. Um, some things are more immediate in nature. Someone's coming to you. There's a patient in the other room. They need help immediately. You have to help them and just navigate that. Um, but a lot of times, some of these broader coaching conversations, yeah, they can wait an hour. They can wait an hour and a half for the end of the day to have more time to peel it out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that that is difficult for me. And then, obviously, I, you know, I never worry. I, I want my door to feel like it's an open door. I want to feel like people can come in and talk to me. But also, um, I struggle with. It doesn't happen often, but I just struggle with. I want to be attentive, but like sometimes, like this is not important to me right now. So, how do I convey that something's not like? It sounds like to you, to me, I've got to make sure that I have some sort of time back with them, right? Like, if 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 it's not important to me now, I have to convey that it is important to me at least at some point. So, getting an assessment of what's going on, and like you said, following up pretty quickly after that. Maybe it's you know, it's at the end of the day, or bottom line it as you said. Um, so when you think about like. Um, the expectation setting for people. Are you a believer that, that when we're trying to identify the roles that we want people to engage with, are you a believer mm -hmm. that those people can't be flexible outside of their normal realms? What I mean by that is that there's some people that are really adherent and firmly so to like personality types. What are your thoughts about personality types as it relates to uh, having somebody in an effective role? I, I think personality plays a good 
uh, factor in the roles people can successfully play. How introverted versus extroverted are they? Are they a driver? Are they an influencer? You know, those influencers can work in your your sales positions, right? Those extroverts can, will will flourish more in those client facing, patient facing roles, right? Folks that are very that have an analytic mind, um, or perhaps a little bit more introverted or a little less driver. You know, they can be highly effective at other process based tasks that are equally as, as important in the process in the uh, in the practice right um so personality plays a factor right um, but you don't want to box someone in um so having these what we talk call like long-term career type development conversations can be one way to open it up so here's personality wise who you are but what are your interests where are your passions where would you like to grow in our practice and beyond right those are the conversations to have so you can not only match them up for how they're showing up today but for what their desires and aspirations might be for the future too yeah and checking in with them on a frequent basis where you're making sure that they're they feel like they're what they want is similar, I would guess. And it's still the same as what it was the last time you had the conversation. But then also, um, like, where can you have uh, input into what they're what you're having them do now, so that they feel like they're achieving some of those other goals? Yep. Yeah. And and we have a an exercise that we use as part of our five coaching conversations program called the Elevate Matrix, which basically kind of guides uh, a leader through this dialogue with the people that they're leading around, you know, where looking at what you're doing today, where do you have more or less interest? Where do you feel like you're demonstrating more or less skill? And let's plot this out and think about where you are today and where you want to go in the future. And how does how you're performing today really align to what's going to be asked of you in these future roles that you're trying to align yourself to, right? So it opens the door to this conversation um, that that really, in some instances, lifts the blinders off of the, the employee um, so they can see, hey, if I really want to stretch and grow into this future position, I'm going to really need to skill up in this area. I'm going to learn, have to learn how to delegate in this area. I'm going to stretch and grow. Um, and so you can have a productive discussion that way. How does um how does evidence come into play here? Like like are there is there research that can tell me like um how to how to have these conversations and what conversations are important? Can you talk about that? Yeah. We we do. So the the five coaching conversations model that we've created is based off of um, a research uh, project that we conducted a couple years back um, prior to 2020, um, where we interviewed leaders across different industries. And frankly, we we interviewed some executive uh, coaches that are very well off in, in their space as well. Other authors of business books. Um, Bruce Bochy, he was the prior manager of the San Francisco Giants. Um, uh, some big names as well, uh, because it all received feedback that they were very effective leaders and coaches in their area. Um, and we said, if we're being so effective at what you're doing, what types of conversations are you actually having with your people? Um, and consistently, they they said, yeah, we're helping people set ex set the right expectations and giving them some timely feedback. Um, we're making sure that we're able to delegate with intention. We're having those next level conversations. We're doling out encouragement when it's needed. And the more we talk with these leaders that we interviewed as part of our research, how they're having those conversations um, was very specific too. So what that feedback looked like, 
how they outlined the expectations for the role, how they had those career development conversations. It was pretty precise. Um, so we took all that advice and guidance that we got through our research um, and boiled it all down to some really practical tools that really, once you're exposed to them, you can use them the same day, same day with your employees. Mm. Do you think that most of those people, um, I was having a conversation with this about this with another podcast guest is actually after we stopped the podcast, but, um, he's really interested in, in the, like in the, how people are really effective just in general. Um, I thought that was an interesting conversation because, um, I wonder how many of them were doing it intentionally or how many of them were just had good skills in your experience, they had good skills and then they were able to kind of identify it on the back end. You know, I think one of the things that I would worry about is um, not being authentic in those conversations. So like trying to do them so hard, right? Like trying so hard to accomplish the thing, right? Like check this box, check that box, check this box. Oh, this person is an extrovert. So I'm going to like, that seems to me, I'm not, I'm not belittling it. I'm saying for Chris Wolf. That's not yep. natural. Um, yep. So, what what is your sense of that? Do, is that is that is that a common um, challenge that people have, or do these people that are really good at doing it uh, are just naturally good at it, and they've sort of refined their process over time? And then, what do you think about that? Uh, I think balance is key. Um, so we all have the conversations that we naturally gravitate towards. Um, we've created an assessment kind of around that based off the five coaching conversations. You take this assessment and, you know, you know, like me personally, it's easy for me to drop into an exploratory conversation and brainstorm with people. <laughs> it's super easy for me to have that next level career development conversation. But when it comes to being super direct and explaining and setting the right expectations up front, can I do that? Yeah. Is it going to take more effort and intention on my, on my behalf? Yeah, you bet. Yeah. So, you know, like where you naturally gravitate towards um, and then where it might take a little bit more time and effort. And that's super key. And when we've worked with private practice, um, we see that, you know, ODs, you know, they're super high and explore, you know, brainstorm with me, kind of let's, you know, mm. let's have that high level conversation. But when it comes to the specifics of what needs to be done in your role day in and day out, I'm going to leave those details to you because I have a business to run, right? Um, so it's, it's interesting to kind of see the trends uh, among optometry practices in particular and kind of where those, uh, uh, where those highs and lows are depending on the roles within the office. It was totally, that's totally me is like I, um, and I, I view it as I don't want to be a micromanager. I want actually to sort of define, define people's roles and, and vision for those roles and I want them to be included in that vision. And I want them to have, I want them to have legitimate say. And so sometimes I, I think, um, I know that something is going to be a little off course, but, uh, that may not be exactly how I want to do it, but there's times where I think, oh, this is the idea. And then I start thinking about how we could implement this idea. And before I get too far down that, I'm trying to, to pull out, uh, other information from other people. But uh, oftentimes yeah. I find that, that, that they're not good at that. You know, they're not good at brainstorming and, and kind of thinking about this uh, in one way. But what they are good at is, so there's this balance, I guess, is, is to try to, without micromanaging and without projecting all of my ideas as if they're the best ideas, um, is, is kind of giving them guidance and then letting them figure it out. But 
then there's got to be a balance on how much do you let them figure out and make mistakes that are acceptable versus how much you're going to direct what, what they want to do. Right. Right. Which all goes back to setting the right expectations to begin with. Um, so it's helpful to have a tool for those coaching conversations that don't come as easy to you. Um, so when you need to have them, you have something to fall back on until it becomes more second nature, right? But then for those exploratory type conversations that are just so easy for you, it's managing, okay, I'm, ha- I'm going to this conversation with this person. <laughs> Do I really need to spend an hour exploring with them? Because that's so easy for me. Or maybe being a little bit more directive with them is what they need. Um, so again, kind of that outcomes-based approach, uh, ultimately, what, what do I want the outcome for this person to be? Do they need to get up and be able to do this task right away? Taking an hour to explore is not going to get them there. Um, you know, setting the right expectations up front, delegating a task might be a faster, easier, more, easier, more efficient way, right? So it's just, it's the balance there. How do you feel, how do you think that, vi- that COVID has changed some of this? Hmm. Yeah, I think, well, with COVID, uh, organizations overall, um, you have different challenges in the workplace. So work schedules have all um, been uh, adjusted. Um, You have different uh, concerns in the workplace around health and safety of clients and patients and staff and uh, state by state, the measures that need to go into place to kind of make sure that everyone feels safe and, and supported and whatnot. Um, so, and with other organizations that are more nationally dispersed, you have folks that are working uh, virtually and not as much in the in the office anymore, right? Um, so I would say, if anything, there's even a larger need for our leaders to take a, a coaching approach with their staff to make sure that you're you're checking into folks' well-being. Uh, how are they handling the change? Um, are you providing the resources and the technology that your staff needs to remain successful during this time? Are you making the necessary accommodations? Um, are you exploring with your team um, what, what will make you and your practice successful through this global pandemic, right? Um, all that boils down to the effectiveness of the conversations that you're having with others. None of this is going to be done and decided in a vacuum. Why do you think most, uh, if, if, if a practice is having problems, let's just say a general culture problem, um, It's a a broad brush, but if that's the case, um, are there, are there like trends that you find are like the main reason why those cultures, uh, don't do well? I mean, is there, is there a common one that you've noticed within independent practices that, uh, that seem to be a common theme? Um, like a conversation or a couple of conversations that you think like of the five, this is, this is the one that generally speaking is, is eroding our culture. I, I, yeah, that's a tough one, right? Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. all different. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not searching for an answer. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Yeah. Um, I think keeping people engaged in this time, you know, dear, through this pandemic or not, just keeping people engaged with the job. I mean, there's been a lot of kind of news headlines out there. This is the great resignation. So, you know, yeah. if people get any type of inkling 
that there is a better job elsewhere or they're not feeling it with this job, they're out the door. So, you know, that can really affect the culture overall if you're seeing a high amount of consistent turnover and the cost of the practice for those hires and rehires, right? Um, so part of kind of building an effective culture could be to the extent that you're creating a practice um, that that is providing benefit and engagement to your to your staff. So what are you doing to make sure your staff feel connected and related to to one another? I mean, and that might go outside of any social uh, events that you might plan. But what are you doing day in and day out to make sure that people feel valued and included um, and connected with one another? Yeah, I think it's it's really important. You know, we are uh, our team, we had, um, we had a, and we've, we've actually kind of scheduled this again, Mike Rothschild, who you might know from, from vision source, he's in Georgia. And, um, and he came up and did a, a retreat for us. We hadn't had a retreat in a while and he did one, uh, this last April and it was great. We, um, you know, there were things that we were not as aware of. I mean, we, I think we, in general, we've had a good culture, but some of those types of things that are, that exist inside the practice of bonding, not just with the owners and the staff, but, but the owners and the staff and then the staff collectively. So how can, how can the staff collectively bond together better? One of the things that was really helpful for us was um, they on their own, uh, our team on their own without our guidance said, look, we just need to get together once a month and we'll do it outside of work. And we're just going to go have drinks after on a Friday night after work. And maybe it's at a bar or maybe it's at somebody's house. And um, you could see almost immediately that changed our culture. And, you know, in terms of a conversation, it wasn't so much like a specific conversation we had that said, you have to do this, except for enabling the conversation among each other. So, uh, so how much do you, um, yeah, I guess I think that was really important for us to, to see and, and try to be more intentional about, you know, like I said, not micromanaging or dictate, it would not have worked if I would have said, you guys need to get together outside of practice. (laughs) You know what I mean? No way. That's not happening. No, no. It has some of that has to happen organically, and they have to feel like they have the choice, and that they're kind of bought into that. Like it's exciting for them, not something that they're being told to do, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's this whole kind of concept of um, like tangible and intangible encouragers, and what are you providing as part of your practice? I mean, those tangible things. I mean, those are your comp and your benefits, and um, you know the work environment and other perks on the job. But those intangibles are that much uh, as if not more important so you know the opportunities to socially engage with folks outside of work hours opportunities to collaborate on the job um you know do they feel a connection to the overall mission and values of their office overall how are you communicating that to them to the extent that there are growth and development opportunities how are those communicated and how are you having those conversations to align your staff with those opportunities. Um, So again, kind of going back to the whole trend of balance here, you have to have those tangible and intangibles in place to have a healthy culture overall. How do I know how much time I need to spend on these types of activities in my practice? Is there a way, you know, working on my business, have you seen a way for me to assess whether or not, you know, if I can, you know, you and I talked a couple days ago of, of, you know, one of the biggest challenges for, for docs is to, to take a step back because they know how their revenue is generated is by them being in the practice, working in the practice. 
So how can I know that, and how can I be confident to say, if I can take a little bit more time working on my practice, how do I do that? Is there a way that you've found that, um, that can make you feel confident that working on your practice is going to generate, you know, revenue that you can't actually calculate? I think that's kind of the magic question there. <laughs> I don't know that I have the answer uh, for you, but I do know that kind of just taking a, um, a pulse and a sense of how engaged my people feel, you know, how much turnover turnover have I been having and how has that been affecting the, the patient experience overall? I mean, all that is interconnected and will eventually, you know, connect to the revenue that you're bringing on overall. I mean, it's you know, how you're servicing people, period. Um, so and a lot of that goes down to the, the health of, of your staff and how um, encouraged and valued they feel overall. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think to that point, I think it's just important to take time to do it and be and make it on purpose and actually make it uh, where you're undisturbed. So again, I always talk to people, and I, I love your idea of having these this sort of conversation, figuring out where you're good at, what you're good at, and what you're not good at, and then figuring out how to how to keep in the forefront of your mind what kind of conversation do I need to have now. Is it an exploratory conversation? Is it a feedback conversation where I've already said, look, this is the thing you're in charge of. I want you to, you know, we're going to revisit this in, you know, a week or two weeks. We're going to readdress that. So I want you to put it here. And then making sure that person is responsible for it. I think those kinds of things are really helpful for me. And then the other thing is that I, that I think is important is no matter what time it is, whether it's a half a day chunk here or you know a half hour chunk every day where you're going to be coaching. Maybe not you're not going to call it coaching, but you're going to basically be in that mindset of coaching when yeah. when you're not distracting other people. Um, you're you know sort of natural as opposed to because you don't want them to look at you like like I don't want to be the one that's coming to them and they're like oh Dr. Wolf's coming back here he's going to talk me up and blow <laughs> sunshine and I've got all this other work I got to do right like you don't want them to feel like that but it's sort of like this this. Um, like you said, organic period that allows you to expand on people's um, strengths and weaknesses and help them help build trust in, a, in all of those sort of communication types of things. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. They say the soft stuff is the hard stuff. And until we get to a point where hopefully we don't get to this point where we everything is automated um, we have our practice and it's just us and that's it. Everything else is, machinery or technology. I mean, there'll always be that human components and we have to manage that human component. And deeper than that, we, there has to be a relationship there and that trust, that rapport, um, you know, and building trust and rapport happens moment by moment. And these conversations are also organic moment by moment as well. Morgan Massey, where can people find you? <laughs> well, you can go to www.avionconsulting.com. Uh, you can also check out uh, www.5coachingconversations.com. Uh, and yeah, check out our book on Amazon, Five Coaching Conversations by myself and my two partners, John Gates and Steve Williams. Awesome. Hey, have you guys made that into an audiobook yet? Not yet. You should. <laughs> you should. It'd be awesome. I find yeah. that I can re I mean, I'm such a more auditory learner. Um, I, and I think part of it is because I'm really, which is why I like podcasting, but it's also, you know, I'm so busy, you know, I'll, I, I, 
I'm going from one place to the other place and I'm toting kids around and, um, that I can learn so much. So I, I can, I rarely actually sit down and read a book. I almost always listen to them. So audible. We should put that on our 2022 goals. Yes, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for doing this. This is a ton of fun. Yeah. Thank you. It's been exciting. I, I would appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you.